made. We are live with living the guide life today and just got back from Squad Fest. I'm going to tell you guys right now, if you did not go, you missed out big time. That was such a blast. So cool to meet everybody um, that I've talked to over social media, on the podcast, whatever it is. Just a great networking event. And then also met some of my listeners, which was super cool. Loved the feedback. Thank you very much to everybody that gave me some feedback. Um, that's the biggest thing is just hearing how I can make this better. So let me know if you find something that uh, I can work on and keep building on that. But once again, Squad Fest was just a blast. Um, calling contests were great to hear those back up again. Um, everything about it. Cody has given some awesome tours out there of the warehouse, of everything. <sighs> Guys were all over the place. Beer was cold. There was really no complaints. So it was a lot of fun. And if you didn't go this year and they got it next, you better make it. It is something you do not want to miss, no matter where you come from. But on to the next thing. We are brought to you by Chasing Foul Outfitters. Make sure to look us up, book a hunt this year with us. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, game Fair is also going to be a blast. We'll be there. Meeting and greeting everybody, and the dates are going, so let me know as soon as possible when you want to book that date and who you want to bring along. Bring your buddies, bring your kids, whatever it is. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I hope to see you guys there. So, Also brought to you by Bourbon Media, so I'll give them a quick second to uh, give them the spiel. If you're a small business owner in the outdoor industry, we get it. The words digital marketing can be intimidating. You're a grunt work, sweat it out, bust your chops kind of person who's addicted to progress and put all of your time and energy into operating your business. We at Bourbon Media can help you push it even further. We're digital marketing experts. I'm talking web development, content creation, social media management, SEO, paid advertising, the whole nine yards. And as fellow outdoorsmen, we know the industry. Keep your business up to date and expand your reach with digital marketing that is directed at your core market. We are Bourbon Media. Cheers to progression. And that wraps things up for Bourbon Media. Um, if you haven't checked out the website, make sure to do that. They did a killer job. I can't thank Nick and Garrett enough for all the things they've done for that site and all the help they've been giving me the entire way on what I can do to either make it better or how I can do things on my own, which has been an absolute gift for uh, their mentorship. So that's been a lot of fun. Also, we are brought to you by Pacific Calls. Just picked up a couple of my new 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 calls down at game fair so i'm super excited to uh keep practicing with those get them ready for the season because it's going to be an absolute blast um finally got to meet trevor and alex down there just a bunch of great dudes a lot of fun at their booth um those boys know how to have a really good time and it was an awesome weekend i mean calls were selling like crazy and uh couldn't keep them on the shelf quick enough so that was awesome to see that and then also to pick up a few of my own calls and get those things working on the way home, on the car ride and all that kind of fun stuff. Piss off boys a little bit, but hey, that's how it goes. So we're ready to start working those and get them ready for the season. 
But today we have Clay on down from Stewart Ranch Outfitters, and we dig into it all, man. We're talking about what it's like to be on a generational ranch like that, to be able to hunt your own property, and to be able to build certain habitat for ducks all across it. So it's been really cool to listen in on his story and what they've created out there on their own property and how to keep building their brand is just a huge thing. I mean, you're at that level and you need to keep building on different aspects of each part of the ranch because there is so many moving parts. So that's been really cool to hear about their outfitting side and you know what they can do and what they can't do down there, whether it's hogs, whether it's water, whatever it is. Um, and how they kind of overcome that to be successful in the field for the next year. So it was awesome. I hope you guys really enjoy this one because I know I did. And we are live with Living the Guide Life today. We have Clay Forrest on, who is the manager of the Stewart Ranch down in Oklahoma, and Clay, how we doing? Doing good, Chance. Good to, good to be on. I appreciate you having me on, on your show. Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure. Um, uh, so what do you guys got going on during the off-season down there? Uh, like this time of year, we're just really getting ready for the upcoming fall, upcoming winter, you know, basically hunting season, I guess. So yeah. uh, like right now, we're doing a lot of fixing things, moving stuff around. Uh, we started getting our, like our duck habitat ready. We, uh, we've been working on some moist soil stuff about, hmm. oh, first March. Um, and then we'll start getting our Milo planted into this month. And then we'll start getting ready to plant our millet first of August. And we've got dirt guys coming in later this month. And, uh, you know, we'll start working on deer food plot because we do a lot more than just waterfowl. So we've yeah. got uh, deer, deer season going on, getting ready for it and getting trail cameras put out. And, and it's just never a dull moment around here. Yeah. I can imagine. Looks like you guys got after the turkeys pretty hard this spring. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like Oklahoma's kind of experiencing, um, I don't know, something's happened with our overall population, you know, throughout the states, so we're kind of in a little bit of a, a lull, um, as far as our overall population, but, uh, we're, we're blessed to have a lot of acres that we can hunt. And, uh, so we're, we're able to kind of mix and match and, and not pressure the birds up as much as, you know, maybe somebody that's got some smaller acreages, but, yeah. uh, yeah, turkey hunting is one of our big things. We sure, uh, sure enjoy chasing birds in the spring. Yeah. How many acres do you guys have down there? Uh, the ranch that I'm on right now is uh, 33,000. And then we've got a ranch in uh, southeast Oklahoma as well. That's about 11,000 acres, give or take. Jeez. That's a lot of land to cover. Yes, sir. Yeah, it is. It is. So, yeah, so we're, we're super blessed to have what we have. Uh, but with all that, it's kind of a double-edged sword because, I mean, it's we've got a lot of ground to cover, a lot of things to check, a lot of things can, can break and go wrong in between. So we're we're always doing something. It's it's a full-time gig for us. I mean, we're here seven days a week, 365. So. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. How did you get into the hunting side of things and get this outfitter running out of the ranch? Um, I I was born or born here. I, this is my family's place. Yeah. I was raised on the ranch. Um, 
I went to school. Um, I graduated high school in 04, uh, went to college. So I was there. I was at Oklahoma State, 04 08. And I actually went to a ranch management program at Texas Christian in 2009. And uh, I got basically hired about halfway through 2009 to come back and more or less kind of start your ranch outfitters. We had had a uh, third party outfitter on the ranch, kind of a lease type deal for forever, mm. for as long as I can remember. And uh, my mom's our boss. She basically, I mean, that was kind of her way, I guess, maybe getting me back on the ranch or yeah. just uh, hiring me, I guess. And so she wanted to kind of keep everything in house and said, hey, let's start this guide outfitting hunting program and take off. And I didn't have, I didn't have, I had very little instruction or really anything. I just kind of, you know, young kid wet behind the ears and, and took off. So that was, I, I hired back on the ranch June, 2009 and uh, started up your ranch outfitters. And I was pretty, pretty lucky. Um, I was able to kind of take over our third party outfitter. He had some stuff established. We had a really good relationship kind of going into this thing. And so I, I didn't really start straight from scratch you know i had a few few clients that kind of were left over from him and yeah. and uh like so we started started there and kind of hit the ground running and here we are 11 or 12 years later wherever we're at right now yeah absolutely and how do you like that um how's that been for you been pretty well yeah yeah for sure yeah we've grown from about oh we were just doing deer and turkey hunt the first couple of years yeah. um we had maybe 20 or 30 clients and I mean, we were serious about it, but it wasn't um, necessarily as full time as it is right now. Yeah. I think right now we're running between about 250, 300 guy or clients per year. You know, that's deer, turkey, waterfowl, and we do feral pig hunts as well. So uh, okay. we basically hunt about nine months out of the year, September to 1st of May with everything that we do. And so uh, it's been fun. I mean, you know, I, we started this thing kind of before social media and, that whole thing you know we were doing literal tribal brochures and business cards and going yeah. to shows and just kind of word of the mouth type of deal and to see it progress so how we're doing things now is pretty cool and you know having clients have been hunting with me for eight nine years now and you know the friendships and connections i've made it's uh pretty special it's a cool um industry to be in yeah oh absolutely and do you work on the like cow side of things and horses side of things as well, or is it just more of the outfitting? Uh, no, I, I do a little bit of everything. I mean, I definitely don't um, have any like managerial say or anything yeah. like that as far as like the cow, the cattle on the horse side of things. But uh, I do a lot of that summertime and then when I can in the fall and the winter when we're not hunting. Uh, so you know, I, I always say I wear many hats around here, but uh, yeah. I, I've got a full time guy that works for me on the ranch and he's pretty much 100 percent hunting. So okay. he does a lot of the grunt work and he really uh, he, he, he keeps things going for sure. Yeah. So he's a uh, pretty awesome to have. Keeps, keeps things well greased and running around here. So as far as me splitting time and, and doing that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And do you live on the ranch or do you live somewhere else? off of it no i do I, I live right here on the ranch so, okay yeah i'm uh no more than five minutes from from anything as far as on the ranch so yes sir yeah i'm right here yeah absolutely when does your guys' first season start down there is it for deer duck geese what is it well 
that's kind of a loaded question because we, we we can hunt feral pigs 365 mm. you know there's no no tag no limit no season uh we don't really hunt pigs here in the summertime kind of like we were talking before we got on here it's it's just it's too hot it's yeah. it's no fun nobody wants to be in a blind one's 100 degrees but i do have people sometimes that'll come in here in the middle of the summertime for whatever reason <laughs> uh but i guess you know for us typically you know october 1st is our really our kickoff which is beginning of deer season for us yeah so we'll we'll deer hunt october november first week or so of december and then we start waterfowl hunting basically the split for us when we start start waterfowl hunting and then we'll waterfowl all the way through the end of january and pig hunt february and march and then turkeys in april first part of may and then a few more pigs through about about now before it just really starts getting too hot to do anything so that's kind of our hunt season if you will yeah how bad are the pigs up by you guys? Oh, they're awful. They're terrible. Yeah. It's a it's a true epidemic. I mean, they're they're everywhere. Yeah. And it's uh it's something that will never uh, you know, as far as like control or anything like that. There's yeah. no management or anything like that. You know, that the old old farmer saying is every three months, three weeks, three days, there's gonna be another litter. And that's pretty accurate. I mean, they're they're very proficient on what they do. So they're they're everywhere. Yeah. I've heard they've started moving a little bit north as well in certain areas, um, and they just keep gradually going up. Is that kind of true? Or I would think so. I mean, the best thing. I mean, they're so they can adapt anything. Yeah. You know, there's if you think about it, there's there's pigs, and that's what I always tell like guys that come in here as far as like, oh, it's too cold or too hot. Well, there's pigs in the Amazon jungle, and there's pigs in Siberia and everywhere in between. And so they yeah. they're pretty dang smart. They can adapt to just about anything so i mean it would not shock me if you start seeing or having pigs and you know your neck of the woods kind of thing it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me at all yeah i mean yeah the only thing like for us that would like be able to kill a pig would be like a wolf around us because i mean i feel like right i was talking to some of the guys down in florida and they were saying black bears do don't do much because the pigs are fucking mean like yeah yeah they're off yeah and see we don't have any of that i mean you know as far as like a predator for us would be a coyote yeah maybe and a coyote might be able to get like a piglet couple day old piglet maybe uh but those styles are they're mean you know they're you get between a sow and just like anything i mean a a doe deer is going to come after you if you're between her and a fawn so imagine something that's got cutters in her mouth so uh yeah, I mean, they're not, they kind of get a bad rap. You know, I think some, some YouTube videos make them meaner than they actually are. But yeah, if you uh, if you get them, get in between a sow and some piglets, that's not a good place to be for sure. Well, I can imagine. Beaver guys, yeah. you guys ever tried the helicopter hunting for them? Yeah, we've got a few, few hunts. It's, uh, it's a pretty good time, yeah. you know, as far as uh, <laughs> doing that whole thing. And you can get a bunch of them. I mean, it, it's just it's, uh, it's not very cost effective. It's yeah. expensive of getting a helicopter to shoot them. But, I mean, you can you can do some damage. I mean, we've got a, oh, it's been five, six, seven years ago. But, I mean, we shot like 300 pigs in a couple days, you know, just out of a helicopter. But by that math, I mean, you're still not doing much. <laughs> a sow can have two litters every at least up to two litters a year, maybe three, and she's having six to 12 per litter. Yeah. So, you know, it's, you're not really doing a whole lot, even if you shoot that many. Yeah. Are you, how do you guys hunt for them then? Are you guys like night hunting for them or are you like setting traps for them or what do you guys do for that? 
Uh, we do like what I call traditional hunting. We, we've got stands over, over bait, over feeders, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So just like basically sitting in the sand waiting for them to come out. Yeah. And then we do a fair amount of uh, thermal hunts where we've got some thermal rigs lined up, rigged up in the back of buggies or trucks or that sort of thing. And we, we keep all our roads mowed on the ranch. And so basically we're just kind of driving up down our pasture road at night and yeah. shooting pigs that way that's that's probably the, the best way to do it i mean as far as success rates and and that sort of thing yeah. um so that that's kind of our main deal right now is is the thermal thermal hunting okay i got you and you said you were talking about feeders are you guys allowed to use feeders for deer down there yeah yeah we're a bait state so we can we can use feeders for well not for anything you can turkey's kind of the only deal you got to be careful around the loss you can't kill a turkey around a feeder within 100 yards so uh typically we don't really have our feeders rolling a lot during turkey season just for a mistake or something like yeah. that but for deer and pigs yeah it's you know almost all my hunts are going to be over a feeder just that's just kind of the way we do things down here yeah yeah the big thing for us i mean we can't bait in minnesota for deer so like right. everyone just plants food plots right. and that's just all we do for that yeah, and we we do a fair amount of food plots. We've got about a hundred and oh, a little over hundred acres of food plots that we plant, plus just kind of our our, our ag fields that we use for for our cattle. Yeah. Um, but I I wish we weren't a bait state because I think I've got fifty something feeders I've got out that I've got to maintain, and then I've got Jeez. I've got to keep pins around my feeders to keep the pigs out when it's not pig hunting season. Yeah. So there's additional costs and just maintenance and that sort of thing with everything that we do. So um, I'll, I'll be brutally honest. I wish we weren't. <laughs> It'd make it easier on me. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, for like the everyday guy that like have their little chunks of property, it's great. But like for you guys, I can be pretty spendy. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it costs. I to fill all my feeders up. Looking around, oh, around sixteen to eighteen thousand pounds of corn. You know, Jeez. one time. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody can do the math on what a ton of corn costs and just getting, you know, filling them up, driving around to every single one of them. And, yeah. uh, it never fails. You get to one of the batteries dead or the motor or the timer quit working or tunes yank the whole, whole system off or something like that. I mean, it's just, it's a constant, constant maintenance thing that we, we have, but you know, it's part of it. So it's a uh, dog. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's. That's a lot, dude. Like that's a lot of lot of feed, and then a lot of miles to put on too. Like, yep, yep. And is yeah, this, I kind of always started. What was that? Oh, I say, yeah. It just it just makes for never a dull moment around here. Yeah, it's just truly, there's always always something going on. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, God, there's that's a lot of land you guys have out there. Is there any spots you haven't visited on your property at all? have you covered pretty much all um, of it i would say we've got a pretty good grasp on all of it i would say i mean don't get me wrong i'm sure there's some nook and cranny on the ranch that i've never never been to or seen or yeah. know anything about but it's not much if if any to be honest with you like when we turkey hunt we're, we run and gun when we typically turkey hunt so our boots are on the ground running up and down our creeks and you know everything like that yeah we know most of the pastures pretty and it's outside of our creeks this is pretty wide open country for oh, the most yeah. part so you can you can see a long ways and we do a lot of glassing for deer and turkey well really for everything that we do yeah. um so 
yeah, like, I mean, I'm sure there's some small little nook cranny I don't know about, but for the most part, we've got a pretty good grass, pretty good feel on uh, what's going on around here. Yeah. Do you guys have any mule deer around you? Or is it just whitetails? No, we're uh, we're a little too far east. Um, if you go, oh, maybe 150 miles to the west, like getting closer to the Texas Panhandle, Oklahoma Panhandle, yeah. you'll start getting into some out there. But okay. we're we're just a little too far east. Okay, I got you. Yeah, and then do you did your glass and for deer? Do you guys spot and stock deer out there too? Yeah, we can. We can. I mean, we set out really to, like I said, kind of traditional hunt and put guys in stands and that sort of thing. But I mean, like what we do when we guide is we'll drop guys off the spot mm. where we think a good deer is at. And then typically what we do is we're going to go glass, check cameras or that sort of thing. So like if I'm sitting on a knob somewhere and I see a good deer, I'll go get my guy picked up. You know, we'll try to make a move on them if we can, if the wind's right or yeah. you know, the situation's situation's good but a lot of times we can watch those deer bed down and have a, a good idea um you know where they're going to where they're coming from and you know kind of play the chess match with chess match with them that way yeah no kidding how many trail cameras if you had an idea of how many trail cameras you had out there uh we've got around 50 to 60 okay. when i add the cameras that i buy this year we'll have close to 60 we're going to put in about another six or eight cell cameras okay. this year so um close to 60 yeah so again lots of miles checking trail cameras <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. yeah those those cell cameras are nice though like to just yeah it's, it's phone. saved a lot of time for us um you know we've got some spots that when i say this it's not the miles it takes or you know like it might take me an hour to get to a spot because i've got to go through pasture roads open gates shut yeah. gates that sort of thing and just takes forever to get yeah. some of these spots now i can you know, hit the hit the old Moultrie app on my phone and scroll it down and see what's going on, you know, from my house. So yeah. it's uh it's made life a lot easier. And we're starting to kind of integrate that into our, our system, if you will, so we can kind of manipulate that and us have as many miles as we need to and, and that sort of thing. So I'd have all fifty of them be cell cameras, but then I gotta worry about all my monthly subscriptions and yeah. all the fees and stuff that go along with them. So I kinda have to watch that a little bit with budget budget stuff yeah oh absolutely yeah no and you guys have had that in your family for six generations i was looking at right yep yep yes sir yeah we've been around since uh 1868 so i'm the sixth gen my brother and i are the sixth generation to work on the ranch and um it's all been family from from the very beginning all the way to to now so like so my mom's our our boss dm or ceo whatever you want to call her and then my brother runs our uh, horse operation uh, he's a horse trainer on the ranch and then we started a meat company about oh when did we start that kind of end of the year last year first of the year this year can't remember exactly when and okay. he's heading that deal up so we're uh got a direct consumer meat company deal going on right now and then nice. along with just our general general cattle cow calf operation yearling operation uh quarter horse operation um and then the, the hunting deal that, that i do so we've got got a lot going on around here yeah. Yeah. I was looking at your guys' website. Your mom looks like a pretty badass lady. Yeah. She's pretty incredible. She's pretty special. Yeah. yeah. She, uh, you'll never know it being around her. I mean, she has no problem picking stalls and doing all the dirty grunt work and will never say anything about it. But she's, she's the boss. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. She's five foot nothing of, uh, she doesn't mess around. So she, uh, she's pretty, pretty incredible from, I mean, 
I'm a little biased because she's my mother, but outside, yeah. I mean, if you look at it from an outside perspective, she's there. She's one of a kind. She's special yeah. for sure. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, so do you guys have a certain person that runs the cattle? Is that like your mom or who runs the whole yeah, cattle? Yeah, kind of, sort of. Uh, so mom, basically, if you look at it from like a business perspective, I mean, like, like I said, she's the GM. Yeah. So she's kind of making the, um, oh, like the management decisions on when and where and how and that sort of thing. But we've got a, in cowboy world, he's called a cow boss, which yeah. anywhere else would be a foreman. Um, and so mom kind of gives him the, oh, the general outlier, kind of the general plan on what she wants to do. And then he kind of takes care of the day-to-day operations as far as our crew and what's going on as far as executing her plan, if you will. Okay. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, mom's kind of, she's the end-all be-all with the, the decision-making. And then she kind of passes the, the day-to-day activities down to our cow boss. And it just kind of funnels down from there as far as kind of the hierarchy of things. Yeah. How many cattle do you guys run out there? Uh, we've got, I can't tell you the exact number, um, uh, right off the top of my head. I can go look it up. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got probably close to 4,000 total head, give or oh, take, wow. just depending on the time of year, you know, like this time of year, we've got yearling cattle out. So, I mean, it, it can range anywhere from 2,800 to 3,000, all the way up to around 4,000, give or take, just kind of depending on the time of year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a lot of head. That's a lot of cows. It's a lot. Yeah, it's it's a full time. Everything we do is all full time gig. I mean, we've got full time employees that work on the ranch and you know take care of everything we do. I mean, this is our business is no different than you know somebody that runs a construction company or oh, exactly. sells shoes for a living or whatever. So it's just a little different different end game, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, well, I can imagine. And I kind of wanted to hear more about the duck hunting and goose hunting side of things from you guys. Are you guys yeah. Um, you said you plant a decent amount of stuff for ducks. Um, do you guys have like permanent blinds out there and stuff like that? Yeah, we've got, I always say we're pretty flexible on how we do things. I mean, we, uh, we can, we're pretty good at rolling with the punches as far as what mother nature's doing or the migration is doing, but, uh, don't have a lot of permanent stuff. Um, hmm. we've got, oh, I think we've got around four or five, six permanent blinds that we use. Um, I call them slews. Yeah. Uh, they're moist or like, I guess a wetland, if you will. But we've got about about 150 acres of, of slews that we manage. They range anywhere from a half acre to the biggest ones, about 20, give or take. Oh, wow. But, you know, we've gone in and done dirt work and, and we've got flash, flashboard risers or, risers or water you know, control structures within the dam. And so we can let yeah. water in, let water out, control the water levels. So this time of year, we're letting water out get stuff planted uh for oh. next year so we do a lot of milo a lot of millet uh we're working on some moist soil stuff so just you know basically mother nature's groceries for, for ducks a lot of smart weed nut sedges yeah. you know your duck weed all that all that stuff so we're working on some of that stuff right now i've got a 20 acre milo field that we plant that we flood that we've got to burn all the way around so we pump water and put put water on a 20 acre milo field and Jeez. so we're doing a lot of dirt work this year. Um, one of my good friends in college has a dirt work company, so it just all kind of worked out that way. Yeah. He's a, and he's a duck hunter too. So we try to do a couple projects every year, you know, within a budget kind of deal, and yeah, and just knock, knock them out through the ranch. And so uh, 
Yeah, that's, I mean, that's our management. And we hunt a lot of cattle ponds, farm ponds, that sort of thing. I mean, it just never fails that one day you go drive around the ranch and there'll be a couple hundred ducks on just a, you know, random farm pond. And yeah. So we hunt out of A-frames a lot or the, like the lucky duck four by twos um, yeah. a lot and uh, layout blinds. I mean, we've got it all. I've got panel blinds. I mean, just like, so we just try to be flexible because down here you just never know what the next day is going to be you know we yeah. may be laying in a winter wheat field underneath a goose spread and the next day we might throw a dozen duck decoys out and leaned up against a tree kind of deal so yeah. um you know like so we we've got a lot of gear and a lot of equipment just because like so we just never know what the next day is gonna gonna bring kind of deal yeah no kidding yeah that's the best thing about waterfall hunting it's the best thing but it's also the most expensive thing is you can just there's yeah, so much vers- sure. versatility and then it's just like it all costs something else <laughs> yeah and it, none, of it, it none of the good stuff is cheap yeah. you know it just it, it's to be like an individual duck hunter you're nuts like you yeah. need to have a group of buddies that want to go in on something or you go pay me to do it kind of deal so yeah uh yeah kind of like back to your, your question too like you know we're blessed to have the ground that we have and it's privately owned and so we're able to manage and manipulate our own ground yeah and so we don't we don't lease we i've got some lease country uh around here just i grew up here. i've known known all the farmers and ranchers here my whole life went to high school with these guys yeah so they let me you know goose hunt on their on their wheat fields or a pond that just happens to have a bunch of ducks on or something like that but yeah. for the most part we uh we just we hunt right here on the ranch you know you never leave you know a lot of times it's a five minute drive from the from the lodge to the the spot that we're going so we're yeah. uh, really lucky in that situation and, and we know it for sure so we're, we're definitely blessed in that yeah yeah that's a really cool gig to be able to hunt your own stuff and just like i mean you know everything about it so it's just like you're able to go check things out and figure out how you want to set up and stuff and not have to go scout like a whole new area um you just already right yeah like, that's that's very convenient yeah it is and we all like during duck season, myself, my guys, we all kind of have our, I'm going to call them routes. I don't yeah. know what else to call it. Yeah. You know, the kind of what we do every day, stuff that we check, check every day and see where we're at. And we can kind of tell what's going on around here. Cause if, you know, on day has a bunch of ducks on it and the next day it does, you know, probably a migration happened the night before yeah. we got new ducks in because on B over here has, has birds on it or this slew starting to get, get ducks on it. And like a lot of times with our, our management, our managed areas, like I won't even put water on stuff till mid January or you know, oh, wow. toward the yeah. end of the season yeah. just because it's fresh food, you know, if we're starting to get if we got a cold front coming in, we might pump water a day or two before beforehand or something like that. So we've got fresh new spots that hadn't been touched all year. And we're we're able to do that because yeah. you know it's stuff that we've we've got right here at home. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to look at it too. I mean just allow more food to be opened up that hasn't been touched all year round. That's that's yes, a power move. Yeah, well, it's just, I mean, we're able to, I don't know if we hold more ducks that way. Um, we're just able to hunt unpressured birds. If, you know, say it gets slower, stale, yeah. and we may be able to say, hey, we'll just leave this spot alone for a couple of days. And then when we got the eight-man group coming in on Thursday, we're yeah. going to go hunt this because it doesn't look like anything should change weather-wise or anything like that. So we can kind of mix and match and kind of drag our feet, if you will, if we need to do something like that. So we're... We, we're just flexible. I don't know, yeah. That's probably the best way to say it. We just can, can move and shake and make things happen. And sometimes other guys can't. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you were talking about how you're able to move the water around. 
are you guys moving it into like a different pond or is it like you guys have like a creek system that you're able to run it through or how do you do all that yes so we're moving water uh from a creek and once we get it to a spot we can move it to the next spot down like a lot of my areas are built where i can dump water top area to the bottom if i need to and there might be a spot in between so like i can dump water to the middle spot catch it hunt it for a week or two and if i need to i can dump water to the bottom spot hunt okay. it for a couple of days all with the same amount of water yeah um, or if we need to pump we can pump too we've got we've got i've got an eight inch pump four inch i got all way way more water devices than i care to have to be honest with you so um and a lot of our stuff's built in natural runoff areas so if we were to get a a good rain you know a good runoff rain i won't have to pump any water um you know i've had i've had years where i've I've pumped for a day or two and we've got some good rains and didn't have to do anything then last year i pumped for almost 40 days so wow because it was just hot hot dry, well not hot but just dry you know we didn't get any winter rains like we usually do so we were just pumping water constantly so it uh it's just part of it when you're managing waterfowl it's by far the hardest most time consuming intensive management do it right yeah than anything that that you have out there so oh yeah there's so many moving parts to it yeah 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 when you deal with water uh, the whole whole nother level of management yeah oh exactly yeah that'd, that'd be sweet to be able to go uh like pump all water into new spots and build all that kind of habitat that'd be that'd be something very cool to be able to do like yeah it, it's pretty it's neat to you know go look at a spot and say hey this this might work yeah and then you bring your dirt guy down and you, you shoot it and laser it all out and say hey this is gonna work and then you build it and you get it planted and then you put water on it and then you go shoot a four or five man limit on it. Pretty dang. It's, it's very satisfying. It's pretty cool. It's pretty yeah. cool to, 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 to go from point A to go all the way through the process. Yeah. All that hard work in the off season, then you're able to knock it out right when things uh, need to happen. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. When your hat's completely soaked, with sweat and it's dropping off the end of your bill and come about January 15th and you got full scraps of green duck. Yes, it's it makes it all. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I was when I was down in Texas, they were talking about like a super, they had a super dry year this year. Did you guys run into that as well? Um, if you if we'd had a conversation before May 1st, yeah, we were uh, we really hadn't got had decent rain. You know, timely rains, but yeah. as far as like consistent rain, no, we hadn't really had that since about June. This time last year, uh, we were dry, dry all the way through the winter. You know, we were getting some an inch rain here and there, a couple tents here and there, kind of thing, but not what we're accustomed to. And then, oh, starting about May first or so, middle of April, something like that, the the sky just let loose. I mean, I think we had, I haven't added it up, but I mean, we're somewhere between nine and maybe twelve inches of rain since. May first, something oh, like wow. that. It's wet. I mean, like yeah. the water deal. I can't keep water. I've been letting water out. I can't get it out fast <laughs> enough right now. I mean, yeah. that's usually it's the complete opposite. So I mean, like I've been checking slews about every three or four days, seeing where my water levels where they're supposed to be, yeah, and where they're not right now. So I'm going in and having to let water out, move boards around, and you know, fight the water moccasins and all that fun stuff right now. So Ooh. it's uh. Like I said, you know, last year it was bone dry. My ground was cracking and you could see to the core of the earth. This year I can't get 
can't get water out fast enough. Just it just it's always different. Every yeah. year is just different on how you manage things. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I hear you on that. Yeah, and then like water moccasins, dude. Oh, that does not sound fun. No, they're, they're the devil. I hate them. <laughs> like, I hate them. Oh, thank God we yeah. don't have any poisonous snakes around us. Yeah, they're the worst. I mean, we've got you know the good old fashioned rattlesnake western diamondback but they're pretty docile you know if you don't if you don't mess with them or get in their area they're they'll leave you alone they don't really much care about you but water moccasins kind of wake up with a bad attitude and you know they they come after you and i don't i don't i don't do them real well <laughs> <laughs> no kidding gotta carry a pistol on you all the time yeah, usually like when I'm checking clues, I've got a shovel, you know, a pretty good shovel with me, and usually that's a shovel to the back of the head when I when I see a water moccasin. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. How many uh, do you run into them a lot down there? Or is it kind of a once in a while type deal? It's kind of a once in a while thing, but like especially when it's wet down here and you yeah. see them quite a bit, and I'm working in the water where they're at most of the time, and so when it starts getting hot, they start sunning and and getting out and moving a lot more. So when I'm working around the Clues around the creeks, you see them a fair amount, but yeah. like just out about every day, not not really. You kind of have to go to their, just like any snake, I guess. You got to have to go to their their habitat or their area. But after I get off the phone with you, I got to check some clues. I can almost guarantee you, I will. Uh, I'll see a water box in the I can almost guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Has any of the like cowboys or anything like that that gotten bit by a water moccasin out there or a diamondback or anything? No, uh, one of the guys kind of day work for us. He's been bit by a by a diamondback, but uh, he got uh, he calls it like a false bite. Don't this is no medical. Don't take any of this thing to the bank because I have no clue. But he's he's a he likes to catch snakes. So I'll take it for what it's worth. But uh, he's been bit. But sometimes they'll uh, or this is from him, I guess. Sometimes they'll like false strike, I guess, where they'll they'll actually bite you, but they won't inject any venom or something like that hmm. so he got lucky but um like there was a i think graduated maybe last year there was a, a kid that he was out on the creek out on the river last summer or two summers ago and got bit on the leg it was a pretty bad deal he was in the hospital for quite a while a couple of weeks maybe a month something like that but he hmm. recovered i mean fully and was good to go but it was kind of touch and go there for a little while but uh I wouldn't say it's real common around here, but it's not uncommon if that makes yeah. any sense as far as people getting bit. Yeah. Yeah, no, I hear you. Ooh, that just I I'm yeah, fine with snakes, but like like if it's once it gets poisonous, I'm like, nah, I'm good. Like <laughs> Yeah. It, it, kinda around here this time of year, you know, summertime, you you need to watch for your walkman or what you're doing, you know, kinda have yeah. a, a, a visual Yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I mean I you guys are so used to it. I'm sure you just like kind of already have that vision of just keeping an eye out for everything like that. Like I try, I try. Yeah, it's uh, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm sure I scream like a little girl when I see one. If I, a lot of times I'm by myself working, so I don't, you know, I don't have to. to yeah, it, it can it can be comical when I'm by myself and I see a snake. <laughs> oh i love it but yeah dude are you guys like doing any nesting management or like anything like that that you like or just like a low pond type deal um instead of just feeding the ducks or is it just more of just a food plot for the ducks um you know it's kind of all uh we're definitely not whole, you know like our ducks are definitely gone you know, yeah. they're going to your part of the world 
um, as far as nesting and breeding and that sort of thing. Um, yes and no. I mean, a lot of our spots probably are too small for mm. like a true low. Um, yeah. In this part of the world, at least for just for us, you know, speaking of that, a lot of these ducks, because I get asked this all the time, like, where are these ducks roosting? And I, and I say this like in full confidence. I don't know, to be yeah. honest with you, because these ducks, there's not a, there's not like a lake. I mean, we do have a lake, but there's not like a main body of water around here where everything is going to every night Yeah, because that's what they do. Like, it never fails that we'll go check a, a farm pond that's got, you know, maybe it's a quarter acre big, yeah. not very big at all. You go check it that afternoon, that evening, and there's, let's just say a number, there's 250 ducks on it. Great. We're going to yeah. go hunt that pond in the morning. And then you roll up there the next morning and get set up and all 250 ducks come up, get up. They never left. Yes. Yeah. And so these ponds, these sloughs and these areas that we use, they literally are loafing, feeding, and roosting on some of these spots every day. Oh, wow. And so, your, like, your question, yes and no. I mean, we're definitely setting up our habitat to be the, the, the best that it can be. Yeah. And a lot of times that becomes all the above. So, I don't know if that really answers your question or not. It's just yeah. you know, our area is different as far as how ducks act. Yeah. I mean, it's just once they get here, they have there's so much water because there's farm ponds everywhere that yeah. they don't really have to move a whole lot if they don't need to, you know, as far yeah. as food sources or love sources or pressure or something like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I hear you on that. Cause yeah, I mean, for us, like, I mean, we're all of our ducks usually sit around in the city parks and stuff like that. So you guys don't have to deal with that, which is very nice. Cause that can be very frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine. I can only imagine it's, uh, you know, our little town that we live in is just a, a thousand, a little over a thousand people, you know, so there's, there's no, no, uh, city ducks or anything like that. We've got a, a lake about, I don't know, eight or 10 miles west of us. And you get some of the, I call them park geese, you know, some of the big yeah. raiders that come in, that sort of thing. But they're, I would say 90% of the time they never migrate, you know, they're not migrating to geese. They're, they're here. You know, year round kind of thing, and there's a big difference. Like we shot one last year, it was like 13 pounds. Yes, yeah. he he spent his life eating Wonder Bread. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> it, it, he, he didn't he didn't go to your part of the world and come back now. So yeah, yeah, shit. If you don't have to, like they don't have to leave or whatever that is. I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, a duck only moves unless it has to, or yeah. used. I mean, a water or waterfowl in general, they only move unless they have to, whether it's a, a weather related event, a food related been a, a what a pressure related event i mean it's they're gonna sit tight and get fat yeah if they can yeah so yeah that just like, plays into our hunting so much because i mean if they can stay here they're gonna stay as long as they can like if there's oh, open yeah, water sure. like and it doesn't have to be big open water like it's just a little pocket and i mean you'll have hundreds and thousands on just small little spots on the lake and it's just like, yeah, well, why are sure. you still here? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I've got some clients uh, that live pretty much on the North Platte, Nebraska. And I, I always enjoy or don't, but I'll call them about first of January. You know, what's the North Platte done? And like last year, it was 60 degrees and running. And I'm like, well, yeah. we probably aren't going to get a whole lot of ducks this year. You know, it, it they ended up getting a little colder right after that. We had a pretty good push and a good season last year. But 
I kind of gauge everything on what the North Platte's doing. And then, you know, Central Kansas for us, it, if it doesn't get real, real, real cold in Central Kansas, and a lot of that, you know, the corn and beans are still pretty visible, yeah. you know, that'll slow migration down too. But I mean, I get it. It's not, it has nothing to do with anything other than what a duck's been doing since the beginning, beginning of time. If they don't have to move, they're not going to move. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I mean, we'll be running through like, I mean, one of my good buddies, he was hunting a field and uh, he was talking about like the snow drift into this standing corn was just like halfway. The standing corn was just covered halfway. There was like this, I don't know, a couple rows of it down all the way across the field. And they walked up to it to go like set up a blind. And, I mean, ducks were just flying out of it left and right because they could walk up there, just feed yeah. off the standing corn. And then they, they wouldn't want to leave. Like they were catching ducks just in the corn because it was so cold and they wanted food. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, for sure. So I need you guys to freeze out completely, <laughs> no water moving, yep. corn completely, completely solid. So, uh, and, then yeah, and that's to that point, too. Like, that's why we do what we do as far as all our management effort time because I'm at the southern end of Oklahoma. And so, I've got to do everything that I can do to hold ducks once they get here. Cause like yeah. we run into a lot of like, like a reverse migration during season, say it like gets back up to 50 or 60 degrees January the 5th or whatever. Yeah. A lot of times those ducks will go back North a couple hours, yeah. you know, or a couple hundred miles or something like that. And then they'll come back down this way. So I've got to do all that I can do to keep ducks here if it gets stale, it gets hot, food sources run out, that sort of thing. And so that's why we do probably why we spend a lot of our time or it is why we spend a lot of our time and effort and really a lot of money that we put into it. Just basically keep ducks once they get here because yeah, the way things, the way they're, the way they're bred, the way they're bent, you know, what to do. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, the guys that I've talked to down South, yeah, I mean, they're say, saying the same kind of stuff that you say, they see the reverse migrations that come up later in the season. And that's a that's a great way to just like kind of push new birds in, because then they're just mm-hmm. kind of more used to wherever they were, and then they come up to a new area, and then you're ready to go. Yep. Yeah. So I, yeah, guys, south like Oklahoma City is it's it's a little harder. Is not the right word. I mean, waterfowl hunting at the end of the day is what it is, but yeah. it's just it's different, you know. And we don't have row crop don't have the standing grain that a lot of guys do um this is all winter wheat country and so we don't we don't have that food source either so if you don't go plant a a row crop a milo a billet a corn's rough to grow around here because of the feral pigs and so we've tried to do some of that doesn't work um so if you don't go do that you can't compete with the hot food sources that they need especially when it gets really cold yeah have you guys ever thought about like flooding corn yeah, we've tried it. Um, it's so hard to get corn up, like grown, mm, yeah. get, get it germing because of pigs. Like, yeah. I've literally planted corn before. Pigs find it that night, literally go down the furrows, pick every kernel of corn up during your, during that, ugh, like, talk down <laughs> our furrows. Yeah. And then you can see it. Like, it literally, they didn't make anything. They just picked it up as it went. You know, they dug it up with their nose, picked a kernel of corn off, went up down the road. So. Wow. You know, except that wasn't the $6 bag, 50 pound bag of corn. That was the $200 bag of Roundup Ready corn that they ate, you know, yeah. that kind of deal. So 
it's it's tough. Like last year, I actually, one of my slews is about an acre and a half, two acres of corn, and it was looking awesome. I mean, it was putting the ears on, and we were, it was probably first of September, so we were yeah. going to put water on in about another 45 days. Yeah. And pigs found it, and I mean, laid it down. It looked like a cultivator went through two acres of, of corn. So, you know, is it worth it? Nah, not yeah. really. I mean, Corn's expensive to plant, do it right. Yeah. We did it right. I mean, it was fertilized. It was Roundup Ready corn. We sprayed it. We had done everything that you're supposed to do. Yeah. You know, it's all down the drain in a matter of a day or two. And then, uh, so I can live with Milo or Millet getting trampled down because it's, the effort is not as much. And yeah. they, for whatever reason, they don't really mess with it as much as they do, mm. you know, corn, corn seed or corn stock or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Everything else <laughs> oh yeah exactly everything else corn yeah i mean like yeah that would suck not to be able to do that just like for the food i mean because i mean up here like we're hunting our early season when it's hot we're hunting like wheat alfalfa mm-hmm. whatever it is grass fields but then like once it turns cold you're hunting beans and corn and they don't want to touch that right. kind of stuff um and so I don't yeah, know. So like for us, we're hunting a lot of moist soil stuff, so just native, natural yeah. stuff early. And then once it gets cold, we kind of start transitioning toward our milos and our millets, that yeah. sort of thing. So that's kind of our quote unquote hot food. I mean, I know that's not by the book what a hot food is, but for us, and that's then actually our winter wheat is more is more of a hot food than what it would be for you because yeah. that's that's a, a fresh you know uh an area where they can actually get something something to eat so yeah. especially if it freezes over here and we get a little like we call it sheet water skinny water on yeah. some wheat and it's, it's it's lights out as far oh, as that goes because that's just what what's here and what's available yeah yeah you gotta love the skinny water like you just can't oh it's it. my favorite <laughs> it's my favorite you put an inch of water on a green wheat field here you'll go kill however many man limit of widgeons you want to kill it's yeah. a, it's it's a great time it's oh. a hoot. yeah and that's the same with us i mean like we get enough rain in the summer and then all of our corn's already standing ready to go and then you get that really good push of rain in like august september and it's just like it's crazy like it's just unbelievable yep and yep. it's uh it's a lot of fun yeah the only problem with us is like everybody tiles so like you'd all that water just gets drained out but i mean if you can find a field that isn't tiled yet or i don't know i mean it can it can get really good yeah see like around here a lot of our stuff's erosion control so there's a lot of terraces and waterways and that sort of thing in our a lot of these farm fields around here yeah because this is sandy loam red dirt country and so you got to have a way to keep it from blowing away in the summertime when you plow on it a lot of these are terraces built for erosion control, water control, and so we. A lot of times when it does rain, it'll back up water. Just about every field that you can find, and it's yeah. it, it makes it a lot easier and a lot of fun to, yeah. to go hunt that skinny water and get in, shoot some widgeons and some lesser canadas in it. Oh, absolutely! How deep do you guys usually um, run your water when you're uh, for your food plot duck for your duck? Uh, plot? It kind of varies from it's lowest about eight inches give or take mm. no more than 12 inches or so give or take and there's it, it kind of varies a little bit within the slough but you know just as an average 
eight to 12 inches is kind of where we keep our water level at. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice spot. You don't have to go all the way up your chest in water. Yeah. And it makes it easy to get in and get out. Like we'll drive our can ams or side yeah. sides, you know, right into the sloops and chunk our decoys and drive right out. You know, whether we got to set the blind up, we're in a permanent or clean it up against a tree or something like that. But, yeah. you know, the days that we hunt our sloops, I mean, setup time literally is like 15 minutes, you yeah. know, and it's, it makes, makes it nice. Cause the day before we got up at 3am and put out 80 dozen dive bombs in a yeah. field somewhere. So it's, it's kind of nice. We can kind of have those quote unquote easy days and, and uh, chunk a couple dozen decoys and settle in and watch the sun come up and go yeah. shoot some birds. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm for me, I'm not a huge water hunter um, unless it's just like flooded corn or whatever. It's just yeah. like, I, I just hate walking up to my chest in water, which is not something for me. Yeah. Like, yeah, we don't do that a lot. So, yeah. I mean, I enjoy shooting ducks over water, but uh, most of our stuff, you know, like I said, you can almost get away with like like a rubber buck boot, you know, yeah. uh, for the most part. That's kind of where we keep our water levels at. And um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not into that chest deep deep stuff either I, I, yeah <laughs> i like to i like to work smarter not harder yeah, exactly because there's always going to be a leak in your waders or something that just it makes it just uh yeah i'm just not yeah. a fan of that yeah, i've got a small fortune in in waders and backup waders and patch kits and i mean yeah. it just yeah it never fails yeah i'll uh i'll keep my field hunting and let let the other guys really grind out the diver hunting hey. up there and stuff like that yeah that diver deal those guys are men above boys man i that's yeah. a whole oh, that's yeah. a whole different ballgame i don't i don't want to do that either yeah yeah i've <laughs> i've diver hunted my hand handful of times and it's fun like don't get me wrong but it's just like there's just something about it that's just like yeah it's it's all right they don't like you're just shooting them flying past or i mean they'll work into the decoys and whatnot but yeah. it's not like a mallard dropping into a field and or a goose dropping right. into a field like in my opinion that's that's what i like to do yeah for sure i mean it's always each their own but yeah i uh i just soon to be honest with you, like if i could go lean up against a tree chunk two or three dozen decoys out and watch a bird fall through the trees i could do that yeah 60 days every every year that sort of thing so uh yeah it's uh something about that for sure but i i enjoy i i enjoy a good field hunt as well you yeah know, we try to do a fair amount of that every year too so it's uh it's a good time i, I wish we had the standing standing crop you guys have we don't shoot a lot of ducks in fields it's okay. mainly lesser canadas and then widgeons typically will fly with those lesser canadas yeah most of the time but that's really all you're shooting is a is a widgeon and an occasional mallard i think they got lost and, you yeah. know an occasional gadwall that got lost or short something like that but uh, most of it's the lesser canada geese that we're doing down here on, on wheat fields yeah do you guys hunt lessers quite a bit down there man yes no it just depends i mean uh, there are years where we hunt a couple times a week for for canada's <laughs> And then there's years where, like, two years ago, I think we hunted them twice. Like, okay. they just literally never made it down here. Or they made it down here, just not in big numbers. And it yeah. just wasn't worth going and hunting a, a feed that literally had less than a thousand birds. You know, yeah. it's... That's, unless that's some group unless my clients, Yeah, for sure. And, like, unless my clients just absolutely want to go hunt Canada's 
and that's all I've got. Yeah, we'll go do it. You know, maybe we'll get some stragglers coming back, small groups or something like that. But yeah. it's just like I said, yeah, it's not working. There's 500 to 1,000 birds out there. That that may be one spin. That may be half a spin. That may be two top yeah. kind of deals. So uh, it's just not worth the, the time and effort. I'd rather go try to shoot a four-man limit of puddle duck on a pond somewhere. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You were saying sitting along a tree. Do you guys have flooded timber down there? Yeah, and I, I guess I've been saying that the whole time. The Arkansas guys are going to laugh when they <laughs> hear this. It's not true green timber by any means. It it, it, it never will be, never has been. Uh, we've just got some spots. We've gone in with like a – we've got like a tree pincher attachment for a skid here, mm. and we've just kind of cleared some spots on some creeks that – that have a good base, a good flat bottom, and we've gone in there and, and we put water on it. None of these trees are dropping acorns, or yeah. you know, we don't have much of a mass crop around here. It's just a tree in the water that we flood. Yeah, <laughs> and and they're they're just big enough that you can go lean up against, and so we call it timber hunting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Everyone's got but, the. Uh, it's. Yeah, and it's still it's a lot of fun, and a lot of those places we still go plant Milo and put a good food food source yeah. in them, and then that sort of thing. So uh, they're they're eating stuff that we've planted, just not stuff that's coming out of the trees. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, we we do a little bit of like timber holes here and there if we can find them. I mean, if the ducks are going to be there, then we'll go go shoot them up, but not very often. But when it happens, it's it's so cool watching them just drop all the yeah. way through the trees. Oh, uh, there, like, there's an alert, like, alert. I know why people go to Arkansas. Like, yeah. I, I fully grasp and understand that. And, like, a purist or a, a, a guy that loves duck hunting, like, I don't know if there's anything better than a green or a mallard duck putting the brakes on, putting his feet down, and going straight down through the trees. Like, yeah. I don't know if there's anything better than that. And watching the, especially it's a sunny day and the head lights up, they they put the brakes on, they come straight down. And if that happens to me one time a year, you know, I'm like a kid at a candy store. Like yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's just, it's incredible to watch and see. So I know why people go and do it. And yeah. so like, I think selfishly or just because like I want, we've, we've built stuff like that because I want that experience. It's not, it's not the same. I understand that, but uh, it's to me, it's just, one of the coolest things you can do when you duck hunt is lean up against a tree and watch a bird fall through it and you yeah. know, shoot them at eye level on the ground. So it's a, uh, it's pretty cool to see. Yeah. Making your, your own version of it. Right. Yeah. We, I call it the County that we're in. It's Jeff County. We call it Jeff code timber hunting. So, you know, yeah. it's all within quotations. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've, there's been so many, like, I've seen a lot of stuff around like Instagram and, kind of stuff that people are like wow why are you shooting ducks on the water and the timber da, 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 down on like the arkansas guys and in my opinion i'm like well that's kind of like your job and it's the most it's the best way to kill them i mean if you shot them on the water yeah. you finish your job whatever but some people get some mad shit for that and i didn't realize that yeah and uh yeah i'm not gonna well I don't know. I'm not that. I've never. I've hunted out. I've got a good buddy that lives in Little Rock. I've hunted out there one time, and you know, I was so out of place. I just kind of just nodded my head, yeah. told me where to go, and you know, I was very much like a second grader at school kind of thing. And yeah, there's a lot of rules. There's a lot of unwritten. You know, I come from cowboy world, and there's unwritten rules about things. How you, you know, your etiquette, 
yeah. how you do and don't do things. And uh, I understand that from that world. And I think Arkansas is very much that on how you do things, yeah. the etiquette of what you do and don't do. And if you don't follow that etiquette, whether you know it or don't know it, it's like you, you're going to get it <laughs> from yeah. somebody. And so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to play that game. I'm just going to stay in Southwest Oklahoma and, and, and do our deal. And if I go, go to Arkansas, I'm gonna go to somewhere that they know what's going on, so I don't get in trouble. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah, no, that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's there's so many just so many different topics people just can't grasp, or they just get all worked up about nowadays. Like, oh yeah, and that's you know I guess social media is a it's a beautiful thing, but man, it, it can be such a negative thing. Like yeah. it's and hunters are their own worst enemy. It's like, why can't we all just, we're all doing the same thing for the same common cause, you know, pass this on to the next generation kind of deal. Like let's yeah. quit fighting about water squatting or shooting, shooting above the timber or the tops of the trees or whatever. I mean, you know, there's a million different topics. That all of us hunters fight over for, for no reason. Yeah. So we're, we're our own worst enemy. <laughs> Oh yeah, and waterfall hunters are the worst. Like, oh yeah, there's there's nobody worse. I mean, if if you're not in their area, yeah, they'll help you out. They'll give you a hand. But if once you get in their area, it's over. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and uh, I've been in this industry for going on twelve years. I mean, it's cutthroat. And it's uh, it's it's a tough industry to be in for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's um. There's some incredible, incredible people out there, but it, uh, it can be rough. <laughs> you hear a lot of horror stories about, you know, Joe Blow doing this or that, or just just lots of negative stuff out there. So yeah. it's just there's just no reason, no reason for it, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I hear you. And Dive Bomb has done such a great job. I mean, they're I don't know if you've been on their like fan page or whatever on Facebook, but I mean, it's just like if you have like shit to say, don't say it on here. Like, we're, yeah. we're here no to reason. help out. Like, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, if we quit, if the hunting industry keeps doing what it's doing, we're gonna, we're not gonna have it. So, uh, yeah, some of the, I mean, we we run a lot of dive bombs, and yeah, you know, I think those guys have been a breath of fresh air to the the hunting community in the world, and, yeah, and all their products and what they're staying for and what they're doing too. And uh, you know, we we try to all the companies that we use. I mean, that's we don't necessarily use them for the quality gear but the people behind them for yeah. sure oh absolutely yeah i mean if you can't if you can't trust the people behind it then there's no point in using it in my opinion yeah for sure yeah 100 percent. yeah i would uh much rather use product a because i know you know the guy that owns it or the salesman have a good relationship with them and it's more expensive than than product b that they don't have any personal connection or tie or whatever, you know, it's just a, just a product. I and mean, that's not a, a, a personal investment or something like that. Oh, exactly. And are you guys using uh dive bombs throughout in the lesser field or do you guys have some floaters from them too? No, uh, we're just using the, uh, what, oh, I just lost train of thought. Just using the silhouettes yeah. fields. That's, that's kind of our main deal. We've been running, uh, I've got a good relationship with the lifetime decoy guys. And so okay. we're running their floaters and all their rigs and that sort of thing. So yeah. we've been, been kind of doing business with those guys for the last couple of years. So yeah. uh, lifetime floaters and then uh, all the silhouettes and socks for a reason, the dive bomb guys. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. How have you liked them in the field? How have they worked out for you guys? 
the dive bombs. Yeah. They're game changing, man. Yeah. It's uh I, I remember the day the throwing what really is all I can afford. I think we had like eighteen or twenty dozen full bodies and that's all that would fit in my, you know, my fourteen foot cargo trailer and yeah. stack in the back of the trucks and buggies and that sort of thing. And you know, it takes three hours or whatever to put all your full bodies out. You can only carry couple at a time yeah now i like last year we had one like the sheet water day one one or two of the really muddy days we had i I put like 30 or 40 dozen dive bombs like eight backwards on the back of my buggy in a quack rack drove out the middle of the field set my spread in like an hour and a half or less yeah and we shot like an eight man limit of widgets that day there's no way that if i didn't have dive bombs that I would have been able to even get in the field yeah. to do that. Yeah. So, because I couldn't have got my truck out there. But, uh, and they're game changer. It's, uh, it's been, uh, we've been using them maybe three or four years. Really, maybe that second year they came out, whatever yeah. that was. I sold all my full bodies and bought my first round of dive bombs. Try to add a couple, oh, maybe 10 dozen every year, just kind of keep our spread fresh. But, uh, yeah, total, total game changer. Big, yeah. big fan of the of the uh, goose spread for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we've we've been running dive bombs up here for like the last four or five years or whatever it was. Um, I mean, I still have full bodies in the trailer and stuff. I'm actually selling them right now because I'm just like they take up so much room. I don't use them yeah. that often, and it's just like there's no point in them having them in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. I think I've got um, oh, I've got maybe two dozen that we we have they're they're pretty solid I mean, they're in good shape so sometimes yeah. we use them but 95 percent of the time it's a you know it's a full dive bar spread when we're deuce hunting yeah 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 i mean we're kind of looking into have you uh well i mean for the lesser it's a lot different i mean you're running stocks and stuff like that we don't really usually run stocks for big canadas but i don't know we're thinking about maybe throwing in a few doesn't see how that works out yeah yeah like for us i don't know i mean this just for me i think lester's numbers is the name of the game you know as far yeah. as total spread it just gives you a ton of flexibility as far as how your spread looks you know the the total numbers that you can run because we've got some there's other outfitters in the area and so you've got to compete with them when you're yeah. around that area and so it's just trying to make your spread the, the most desirable spread a lot of times that really just boils down to the total numbers yeah. than anything and so um yeah it just gives us so much more flexibility because i can i can run 50 or 60 70 dozen dive bombs and afford to do it yeah whereas if i had 70 dozen full bodies man it takes five years to pay for all that so I oh, yeah. just, uh, I don't know. It just, it's just easy. It makes things very easy and very flexible. And I don't know, it just gives us a lot of, uh, a lot more options as far as how we, how we operate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's really no downside to them in my opinion. I mean, you can take so little time to set up. You can throw out so many yeah. and they're a lot cheaper than everything else. And don't have to pull a trailer in everywhere. You can just take a four wheeler or like yeah. a can-am, like you're saying, like, they're just so convenient. Yeah, that day we did that, I was just like, it just sold. Because, I mean, we, like I said, we would not have been able to hunt that day in that spot because I couldn't have got to it. Yeah. And uh, and we had a full spread on, on the literal, on the quack rack, the 
on the roof rack for a buggy and put all our guys in there and drove out to the field, spread it out, had a great day. Yeah. Put them back up, drove back to the house by noon. You know, it was yeah. just, it was no better way to do it. Oh, exactly. Dude. I hear you on that. Yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a good season. I can't wait to get back into waterfall hunting. It's been, it's been too long. Not quite there yet. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love it. I made up with it. But at the end of uh, 45 or 50 or 60 days in a row, yeah, I'm burnt out. I mean, I'm, I I think this was the first year, like three or four years that I didn't get sick at the end of duck season. Like one year I got the flu and was out of commission for like six days. Like one year I got a really bad cold and couldn't function for like three days. Like my body's like, all right, duck season's over. Go home lay yeah. down like get some sleep yep <laughs> so uh yeah and like i've got a young family i've got three kids and, you know all that stuff and so it's uh man at the end of duck season i'm wore out oh, oh, but like, the, it's night it's 91 here i'll get real ready for duck season after about a 10 days of sweat and death i'll be i'll be ready to strap the waders on and go break some ice and get in it <laughs> yeah oh i can imagine dude i hear you on that but, yeah i mean I got to jump on another call, but I appreciate you hopping on, okay. dude. Like, thank you so much. Yeah, you bet. That was awesome. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. I appreciate you having me on. For yeah. sure. We, uh, we covered it. We covered a lot of good stuff today. Awesome. Well, like, I, I'm, I'm a terrible rambler. Like, so I, if I ramble and just talk out of my ass, just cut it out or whatever <laughs> you need to do. <laughs> no worries, brother. That was awesome. Thank you once again. Yeah, you bet. Well, I sure appreciate it. Yeah, dude. And uh, don't work too hard hard in the heat. That's it. Nah, I'll be all right. I'm born and raised. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, dude. I'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks, James. Have a good rest of the day. Yeah, you as well. Yeah. All right. Bye, babe.